Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Shamil Shamazel, Cindy Williams, Laverne and Shirley. She died last week, age 75. Her kids just announced it yesterday. Now, as I was driving into work this morning and I was uh, hearing more about Bobby Hall and I'd actually been reading some stuff about him this morning and yesterday, I thought to myself, you know, if I, uh, I got to make a call here, I think I'm more upset about Cindy Williams passing away than Bobby Hall, but that's I'm just me. Not surprised at that in the least. <laughs> I love a sitcom. Um, certainly, growing up, Bobby Hall was a, a key figure in hockey and part of my uh, my time uh, enjoying the game. But uh, the more I read, and I had literally forgotten about the man. I hadn't thought about him in forever, and uh, now with his passing, people are, you know, talking about the great things he did on the ice, and uh, very few seem to want to delve into the things he did off the ice. Kind of depends on where you sit on the fence of yeah. hockey, right? In hockey history, yeah. If you look at purely his accomplishments, you know, first to score fifty goals, the uh, the Stanley Cups, the you know, he a lot of players today owe a lot to Bobby Hall in terms of their contracts. Mm-hmm, that's true. First to sign a million dollar contract and and saw the skyrocketing of players' salaries mm-hmm. come under uh, his years. Um, Personally, uh, I was 10, I think, when I broke my leg. I was stuck in the hospital for six weeks. And, uh, and a friend of, of my dad's uh, ran into Bobby Hull somewhere, and he signed a stick and, uh, and uh, to me mm. and gave it to me to, to try and to cheer me up nice. when he heard about a boy in hospital and, and a hockey fan. And, and so I have a signature of Bobby Hull's, and I was, thought that was pretty cool that he would do that um, uh, for someone. Uh, but if you read to more than just the hockey history, you find the man had some really deep and dark uh, past as mm-hmm. well to go along with it. And domestic violence, domestic abuse, and um, you know, assaulting a police officer. There's um, you know some some views he shared on um, you know, race and ethnicity that um, he said was defamatory and written in a. In a, in a Russian newspaper, but nevertheless, it was out there, and it kind of clouds some of the history of the man. I am um, always kind of willing to uh, not f- forgive and forget or, or try to justify, perhaps, when it comes to a senior, somebody in their 80s, they grew up in a time when we weren't as woke as we are. We're, listen, we're smarter, we're wiser, we're on the right path, we're treating people a lot better. I mean, it's still a long ways to go, but he comes not only from a time period, but a culture. Like, we've already seen what's gone on in uh, in the OHL and, and, and other hockey stories about, and I've referred to it as being a frat boy mentality and some of the things that go on amongst young men. I can only imagine the talk, the language, the attitude of NHL players in the 60s and 70s. There would have been a lot of racism, a lot of homophobia, a lot of sexist uh, stuff going on. What you can never, ever apologize or excuse him for is the domestic violence. And the stories are horrendous. He might have signed a stick and sent it to you, but he tried to swing it, stick at a couple of ex-wives. Yeah, well, and you know what? I was reading some some comments and kind of went down the Twitter hole on this. And, um, and, and it was interesting. One person, one comment that really struck me is that, you know, they were commenting on the, the fact that 
people are upset that they were bringing that up at all. Some hockey fans really? were saying, just remember the man as a hockey great. And to which the response was, well, that would be like remembering OJ as just a Heisman Trophy winner. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and uh, I thought, oh, okay. Um, you know, this, okay, that's an extreme uh, circumstance. Not exactly on the on the same plane, but at the same time, uh, yeah, there was a there's a, a domestic history there that uh, that you know in in the words of his ex wives uh, was a an ongoing problem for him. Yeah, and I and I don't know what the relationship was between him and Brett, his son. I, I bet it was probably strained at times. Yeah, I mean the one wife. You, know, you hear one story of domestic abuse, and the guy's been married a few times. You go, okay, well, let's look into this a little deeper. When you've got, I believe, three ex-wives who all claim the same thing, and one who claims on a vacation in Hawaii, he was beating her with a heeled shoe and dangling her off the hotel balcony. Mm. That's not such a great guy. No. You know. Yeah, I, it's funny that you uh, you mentioned the O.J. Simpson thing because it got me to thinking about what will happen when Bill Cosby dies. Will he just be, for those who are fans, will he just be considered one of the all-time great TV actors and comedians? Oh, and by the way, he raped and drugged a ton of women. Right. You know. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, It's interesting what side of the fence you fall on. And it's always about what you're a fan of, you know. Uh Listen, it even goes back, you know, it, it happened between you and I, you know, when, when Tiger has the car accident and I kind of mock him for it and you defend him. It's really just if you're a fan of something or not really a fan. And then you find out, you know, if I'm a fan, hey, you're going too far. If, you know, it's, right. it's our sensitivities. Well, and, and listen, there was, there was an era, uh, you know, Bobby Hull was a fantastic hockey mm-hmm. player and, and, a, and a great among greats. And when it came to hockey. Mm-hmm. And so there's a generation of hockey fans who idolized him. Right. Right. And, and and idolized him for only his performance on the ice. Didn't care or maybe didn't even know. Probably at the didn't time, know. Right. Yeah. Uh, of of uh, it past uh, stuff going on off the ice as well. Uh, and so, you know, it's tough to, to see that idol. Uh, and take the shine off of it, mm-hmm. um, and and I understand that. You know, for some, they just want to remember, hey, this is a guy who could really play hockey, and I loved watching him play hockey. I don't want to hear about the other stuff or talk about that. I just remember him as a great hockey player and sad for the game of hockey. I get that, mm-hmm. but you know, that being said, that other stuff is still lurking there. That's why Cindy Williams is the one we should really <laughs> grieve. <laughs> None of that in her past. She was in American Graffiti. She was in The Conversation. They were all Oscar-winning nominated films. She was terrific in Laverne and Shirley. Let's just take a moment to remember Cindy, shall we? As soon as I read this, I thought, uh, I'm going to share this with Lucky. Here's how to be a better friend, according to researchers at Harvard. Maybe you should take this. Sorry, in. I wasn't paying attention. What? <laughs> well, funny enough, that's the first thing. <laughs> Give them your undivided attention. Oh, right. How many times you've had a conversation with someone while glancing at your phone? Probably happens even more than you realize, and it really gets in the way of building a close connection. Right, I'm doing it right now. I actually. know you are. I know you are. <laughs> Two guesses. Your wife or hockey scores? No, I'm sending pictures to oh. ourselves. For- oh. What kind of photos? Right. The ones we just took. Risque. Oh, yeah. Selfies. Um, Ask questions. Even if you've known someone for a long time, it's always good to ask questions. 
You're basically guaranteed to learn something new about them. Interesting. So go ahead. Ask me any question. I, I know enough about you. <laughs> Somebody weighs too much about you. I will say this, though. If, you, if What you should do when you ask the question, because that usually is, hey, how's it going? Probably listen for the answer. Mm. Right? So many times we ask that, and we really don't even care. We just say, hey, heck, what's up? Or how's it going? I start right away with anybody. What's your biggest fear? <laughs> So that lucky. question is yeah. probably my biggest So lucky. Fear. Let's share with me. What's, what's your biggest fear? Right. Becoming a YouTube superstar <laughs> by screwing up on air. Working with you for the rest of my days. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Being stuck in this room forever. Um, think about which relationships you'd like to foster. We only have so much bandwidth and time in our day, so be intentional with friendships you seek out and invest your time in. Right. And I think I've been very honest in that respect to you and I. When this is done, and inevitably it will be, mm. we're done. Oh. You know that. I, know. I think in your heart of hearts. I'll look up on you every now and then. No, I don't think you will. Or look down on you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the case. No, I think part of the key to our success, success is the fact that we don't really hang out outside no. of here. We have, we said it a thousand <laughs> so times, nothing in common. When we have a conversation in the morning, yeah. it's not like I already know what's, well, with you, I probably know you've been drinking somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued to find out where yeah. you've been drinking this time. You're right when you say you'll look down upon me because when this ends and you're up in the gondola in some arena and I'm <laughs> emptying garbage cans on the concourse. I just noticed that uh, Pamela Anderson doc on Netflix starts today. So oh. Just hope everybody's out of my house. There's your afternoon. <laughs> well, 40 seconds of my afternoon. Then down for a guiltful, uh, guiltful nap. Um... This isn't surprising. Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour is now the highest grossing tour of all time. It grossed $817 million across 278 shows so far. It's not going to be over till July. Well, he played Toronto like 18 times, didn't he? Right. Well, they had to delay it like three or yeah. four or five. Yeah. It's crazy. This is Yellow Brick Road. They're running out of bricks. Yeah. That road is coming to an end. Uh, Ed Sheeran is number two. The Divide Tour was $776 million, followed by U2's 360 Tour at $736 million. Yesterday, that Avatar 2 has already reached like the top four wow. in all-time movie sales. But it's up there with this first Avatar mm. uh, and Titanic as well. So James Cameron has got like three of the top four movies. Well, he did say he had committed to four Avatar films if this one did well. So he uh, recently said, too, well, I've already got, like, three is in the can. Like, it's all ready to go, and he's writing wow. four. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, we haven't heard from Ron Jeremy in some time. We know that uh, the last things we heard is that he was up on a bunch of charges, uh, sex abuse and rape charges. He's deemed mentally unfit. He's uh, been declared, yes, unfit uh, due to dementia. And it sounds like he's pretty far gone. They say he now lives in a uh, a hospital where he believes he's shooting a porno flick with the nurses there. <laughs> of course he well, does. Well, listen, if, I, if you're going to go out <laughs> thinking you're in a porno in your final days is not bad. <laughs> Every time they come into the room, it's, and cut. Yeah. End scene. <laughs> he's dr the nurses come in to take out his urine pan or whatever, and he's he's like, no, I need you to bend over now. I fling uh, your hair back. Oh man, 
Here's also another name we haven't heard in a long time. Ron's longtime friend, Heidi Fleiss. Oh. If you remember that name. Says the evidence of Ron's condition has been apparent for several years now. At the same time, she thinks it's a good thing he doesn't understand what's going on because he's innocent. She says, in a way, I'm glad he has dementia and doesn't have to accept the reality, reality of this unfair thing that's happened to him. So she doesn't believe he did anything wrong. So, uh, yeah, he won't be going to trial. Uh, that's that on that and probably won't be around for very much longer. We'll, we'll lose the hedgehog. Long live the hog. <laughs> Uh, a lot of stuff coming out last night on TMZ. They had a show called TMZ Investigates Lisa Marie Presley. And uh, now, I guess, they haven't announced the cause of her death. But TMZ says she was taking op- opioids again and she, uh, when she had died. And she was struggling with addiction on and off for years. She was also on an extreme weight loss program because she wanted to look good when she celebrated the movie Elvis at the various award ceremonies. Oh, no. Right. Supposedly she had dropped 40 to 50 pounds in the last six weeks. Um, sources say that uh, on the morning she died, she was suffering from abdominal pain. So I did record that TMZ, Lisa Marie Presley thing. I didn't take a chance to to watch it yet. Just reading that there's a, there's a dispute now over her, uh, her living trust. Mm. Like she had kind of changed her will into a living trust. Priscilla, uh, Priscilla is disputing the validity of a, this amendment that she made a few years ago where she had basically written out um, her former business manager and Priscilla uh, and left it to her two kids. One of them had passed away, Benjamin, in yeah, 2020, suicide. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, said Lisa Marie was the only heir to Elvis's estate. Priscilla, Priscilla wasn't an heir? Uh, I, maybe not because they were divorced. Right. So maybe all she got was her divorce settlement and then it all went to, to Lisa, Lisa Marie. Marie. I mean, I know it was Priscilla, from what I've read, that saved Graceland. Mm-hmm. Like it was in um, tax Opened arrears. It up, right? and, yeah, it was. He had like 200 grand left to his name when he died and he had back taxes he hadn't paid and the state would have taken it. And she, I guess, coughed up the coin, paid off the taxes opened it up and turned it into a multi multi million dollar business. I think it's it's owned now by some other corporation, but uh yeah, that's probably how it played out. But you know, isn't that a shame? I mean, first of all, Priscilla and all the losses in her life and grandchildren, a daughter, her husband, her ex husband. And now to to start this process, to start battling with your one granddaughter that's left. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you got that much money on the line. Not much fighting going on in my family right now. (laughs) (laughs) More uh, news of uh, kids attacking people in the city. Lucky having this in the uh, update. Three 15-year-old boys trying to steal a car, whacking a guy in the head with a gun. Uh, Yep, that's uh, pretty much it. Happened in Rexdale. Uh, There's been a lot of teen crime. It's not teen on teen either. uh, they're, They're attacking adults and... Stealing stuff, you know, and this, it started, I think, most recently with these these eight girls just before Christmas, mm-hmm. right? And shocking on so many levels how random it was that they were girls, the ages as young as 13, right. and that they didn't know each other. It wasn't like a group that hangs out normally. They just met online and met up that way. Um, and, you know, after that story had broken, a lot of people were, were screaming, for the laws to be changed a bit here in in the sense that 
they can't be named this Youth Criminal Justice Act, or what we used to know as the Young Offenders Act, mm-hmm. which gives a little bit of an easier ride to those under the age of majority or under 18. Um, it makes it very frustrating when you hear of such violent crimes happening right. and happening more and more frequently. Yeah, you wonder if maybe we drop it down to 16. I mean, if you're uh, old enough and mature enough to be, uh, have the responsibility to drive a car, maybe you should be held more accountable as an adult at 16 rather than, than 18. There is a bunch of people chiming in on a bunch of different things and different reasons why this is happening. Uh, yeah, I really do feel in my gut, though, the uh, the old idea of it takes a village to raise children has been lost, and I think we got to get back to that. You know, I think that... Uh, there was a time when your parents, your teachers, your parents, your friends' parents, coaches in sports you played all had a role. And they worked together to try to bring you along. And it seems that there's a lot of parents and teachers who butt heads over things with their kids. I hear it from teachers. You can't say or do anything. You can't let parents know that their kids are a disruption or a problem. Parents get almost immediately defensive of their child. And I find that interesting, too, because I remember when my kids were playing some sports, David uh, playing some uh, travel baseball. And I remember him having, like, some coaches, and probably happened in hockey, too, although he was more just like a, a select hockey player, so there wasn't the, the pressure. But I remember it, was, it seemed it was fine for coaches to snap and scream and yell at your kids if they screwed up in a baseball game. But it wasn't okay for a teacher to do that. Right. And I, and I, I often wondered, well, why is it okay for the coach to yell at your kid because he didn't run to third base or throw to third base? But it's not okay for the teacher to shout you down if you're being a disruption in class. I'm expected to be more nurturing. Yeah, I guess. I suppose. Uh, I can tell you from the coaching aspect that it, it's very frustrating at times. And, and in the sense that, yeah, you're... You're spending a lot of time and energy mm. and effort to uh, to try and mold this team together and mm-hmm. get them to play a certain way or, or teach and and improve them both on and off the ice, mm-hmm. right? And then you get some kids that look at you because their parents have told them that no one can tell you wrong and don't listen to him, right? That <laughs> that they look at you, they they they'll roll their eyes, they'll mm. you know give you a give you a look. Some will talk back or say something, right? And some of these kids will, you know, they'll do it to their teammates. They'll do it to coaches. They'll say that. And and it's, it, it's frustrating to have to deal with. Now, have you ever in your experience, uh, have you seen uh, parents get into it with coaches? And, yes. And set, you know, hey, listen, you give you... You know, Jimmy's not getting enough ice time or, or whatever, or you're coaching wrong, or you shouldn't talk to my kid that way. Every day. Right. <laughs> Every hour. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and see, this you played hockey. I played a little bit of hockey. I remember if I told my dad, oh, the coach benched me or didn't put me out on the ice. He sat me, whatever he did, yelled at me. My dad would say, well, he's the coach. He knows. And what you get more of, to be honest, is undermining. Uh, again, in behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about it, rather than 
going to the coach right. or requesting because you know they have to request a meeting. They ask you to wait twenty four hours after a game to have that meeting mm. to calm cooler heads and prevail. Mm. And and if it's still an issue for you twenty four hours afterwards, then let's let's talk about it. So instead, you get parents that mingle among each other and and just you know badmouth the coach. Right. Mm. And they do it. The the problem I have with it is not only do they do it while the game is on. But they do it after the game. And they do it around their kids. Mm. And their kids are hearing they that. They pick up on So it, all yeah. they pick up on that, and all of a sudden the kids are you know, saying, well, this coach doesn't know what he's talking about because my dad says this coach right. doesn't know what he's talking about. Right, exactly. So there's, there's that element that we, we're way too protective over our children and not holding them to be responsible. And there's also social media. And, and one of the issues there is if you've got a group of kids as you had mentioned before, the, all these girls didn't even know each other. The swarm, this right. guy, and a homeless guy, they beat him. Like, at least these other three kids, they were trying to steal a car. Maybe they're going to go sell it. I mean, car theft is up huge around the GTA. That's ongoing all the time, it seems like. But these girls just randomly got together and decide for no reason to, to beat well, this guy to death. Wanted his booze, apparently. Right? Oh, Jesus. So, so what I think happens is much like incel, and you see it, well, you see it with the far left and the far right. We, you know, QAnon and all these different things. We, we, we find other people that are like-minded, and we finally sit there and go, "Okay, I, I'm not the only one with these crazy, evil thoughts in my head," and and that kind of justifies it for them. You go, okay, well, I've just and if they're loners, if they're young kids who maybe don't have any friends or they're getting bullied, now they end up in a group that kind of has that chip on their shoulder. All of them. And they want to take it out on somebody. We saw it way back when with the trench coat guys, the, yeah, the high school Columbine. kids. Columbine, yeah, uh, yeah, and and but much like the um, you know, the coach conversation and the situation, it comes down to, in some cases, in my opinion, is consequences, mm-hmm. right? And if you, you know, if, if that kid who's being told all the time that their coach doesn't know what he's talking about disrespects that coach, mm-hmm. what are the chances are the parents going to be upset with the kid later on? That's right. right? Yeah, uh, and so. Yeah, that's why some are arguing that, you know, maybe this Youth Criminal Justice Act isn't doing what it's intended to do because, mm. you know, if uh, 13-year-olds, okay, might not know the consequences of their actions, 17-year-olds mm-hmm. are right there on the cusp. Yeah, well, uh, 13-year-olds are, are smarter than we think. Right, and there are certain there are certain decisions, much like the drug conversations going on in B.C. with mm-hmm. legalizing some things. There are some things that are, can be seen as a mistake. Right. And uh, and you can learn that from the consequences of your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make the same mistake over and over again. And that becomes a real issue. And, and uh, the fact that this this act can protect them from some of that and not really face the consequences of the severity of some of the actions that they're taking on to. This isn't a couple of kids knocking off candy bars here. This right. is using a gun uh, in order to steal a car. That's. And, and and not steal it while there's someone not around it. Yeah. Right? This is, you know, knocking off someone literally in order to steal a car. There's also been the conversation about holding parents responsible. You know, if your 13-year-old yeah, old does one. this. Yeah, that was going around for a while. Well, hopefully this doesn't carry on. I mean, the three, four, five incidents we've already had, it's enough. We're just a couple of weeks away from Valentine's. So if you're uh, planning on ordering anything, you should probably get on that. Uh, we're looking at uh, some big dough. Of course, everything's more expensive. The average person expects to spend about 260 bucks on Valentine's this year. Wow. Well, right about these days, that will get you maybe like a dozen roses and 
A dozen eggs. Right. Yeah. No kidding. Two hundred and sixty bucks. Uh, um, well, if you if you're doing the whole dinner out, yeah, sure, and uh, even a show or something, that's that's that'll be up there very quickly. What are we buying? What are we spending our money on? Most will pick up candy and cards. Others, others, <clears throat> excuse me, will shell out for more expensive stuff like flowers and evening out and experience, jewelry, gift cards, clothing, this type of thing. <clears throat> but if a quarter of us don't do anything for Valentine's, and I and I always find it interesting every year because you can do or not whatever, for, you know, whatever you're into. But I always find it that. Uh, Interesting that we'll shell out for brunch for mom and a golf round for dad. But when it comes to the one we decided to spend our life with, right. screw you, you get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they get a day. There's an anniversary in there somewhere. <laughs> and I'm looking at you, Lucky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is, you know, the problem now with Valentine's and, uh, is that it's connected with family day. Like, they usually fall pretty close together. Got a lot of things bunched up. Yeah, like for, for parents between, you know, doing something for Valentine's and then doing something for family day, you could probably be hawking out a thousand bucks or something by the time it's all said and done. Not only that, now they've taken family day. And they've given them not only the family day Monday, but like mm. the PA day Friday. Oh, really? Before it to make it like a four day weekend. Because <laughs> that's you. what parents can really afford. <laughs> Come, coming out of Valentine's Day, yeah. now find something to do for them or someone to care for them mm. and fork out for that on an extra day before. And we're still paying off Christmas. <laughs> like, like, after family day, you hate your family. It's been four <laughs> days. Didn't take me till after family day. <laughs> Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.